Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. I am uh, excited to wrap up our series today. It's going to be a great morning. We've been doing a series called Against All Odds, and uh, we've been talking about growing in maturity. Amen. And I don't know about y'all, but I know most, most church people don't want to talk about growing up in Christ. Amen? Right? We, we like to be a little childish every now and then, so we can be all right. You know, we can have an excuse. Lord, you know, I was still a child. I didn't put away childish things yet. And God's like, no, no, you, you should be grown by now. And uh, so we've been talking about that this month. And we based it on Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Luke two fifty-two. And the Bible says that in that scripture, we can throw it up real quick. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and men. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and men. That word increase means Jesus kept advancing. He kept growing. Amen? And I, I think it's, uh, it's an important detail that we recognize that our Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross for us, amen, even he grew up. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say it one more time. Because some of us, you know, we think, oh, man, I, I done arrived. But Jesus, as the Bible says, kept advancing. Somebody say kept. And so when we think about uh, kept advancing, it's, it's more of a military term that they would have understood it as. And it was basically like he was pioneer cutting out new roads. Amen. And so Jesus, our Lord and Savior. All God, all man could do whatever he want, turn water into wine. I mean, water, wine, yeah, water into wine, is, well, that's what it was, right? It went the other way around. <laughs> he turned water into wine. He did all these things. He could do whatever he want. But the Bible says that he grew up. Somebody say he grew up. So if I say we grew up, that means we can grow up too. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor to, to the left or right. You look at somebody and say, you need to grow up. If your spouse is sitting next to you, don't say it. I should have warned you ahead of time. My wife had to come out. Girl, you've been blessed with God's great goodness. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all pray for Erin. She's, she's been, the Lord blessed her. She got, he gave her extra grace, amen? It's funny. Uh, you Evo here, her mom one time told me, she said, the Lord's going to give you a wife. She's going to be grace because you are high maintenance. <laughs> I was mad about that for a little bit. But now I realize she was speaking the truth. Amen. Turn with me to uh, first or second Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. That's what we're going to read. 5, 16 through 19. Today we are talking about growing in relationships. So last week we talked about growing in your spiritual walk with God, amen? And what that looks like. You probably should go back and watch that message. It's a great message. Um, and maybe go check it out. But this week, somebody say this week. We're talking about growing in favor with men. That is vertical or horizontal relationships. 
Somebody say horizontal relationship. Jesus grew wisdom, there's knowledge, stature, physically growth, amen, expansion. And he grew closer to God and he grew in his relationship with others. Amen. And uh, that, I think the Bible is very intentional about leaving that last one the last one, amen. Because I'm telling you, ain't nothing that'll make you walk closer to the Lord than other people. And there ain't nothing that'll make you walk further from the Lord than other people. Y'all, y'all, y'all glow in the dark, so y'all ain't gonna, y'all ain't gonna amen me. That's all right. Y'all better, come on, y'all better strap in. It's gonna get nice today. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, it says this. For, so from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearance. Oh. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one but no longer do we see him with limited human sight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become in, an entirely new person. Amen? All things that is related to the old order has vanished. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, by the way. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Somebody say fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled himself to us and given us the ministry of reconciliation uh, of reconciliating others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And had, he has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. Amen? Now we're going to go to James. Somebody say James. If you are, if you are a believer, you don't like reading James. <laughs> You just skip over that part, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, well, we don't read James, right? I'm just kidding. No. We're going to dive into James today, so get ready. Amen. James, from the English Standard Version, says this, My brothers, James chapter 2, verse 1 through, we're going to read through 13. He says, My brothers, show no partiality. I'm going to let that sink for a minute. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become evil judges? I mean, judges with evil thoughts. James don't play, okay? So listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the, uh, the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show, somebody say, but if you show. Say, but if you show. I'm going to say it again. Because y'all ain't, y'all ain't, but if you show. Like a choir, but if you show. Partiality. You are committing sin. That's, the, that's what the scripture said. 
If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable, has to become accountable for it all. Oh, yes, Jesus. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, have you become a transgressor of the law? So speak and act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment without mercy to the one who has shown mercy. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen? I've got an assignment to preach uh, from the topic, Grow With Others. Somebody say, Grow With Others. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. I pray that you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. It's important to recognize a couple things. That when you come to Christ, the Bible is very clear that you have been made righteous. Somebody say made righteous. When I came into relationship with Christ, when I shifted my belief system from believing that I could live this wor- in this world without Jesus Christ, and when I became a follower of Jesus, come on somebody, the Bible says in that moment, immediately, somebody say immediately. immediately. Somebody say immediately. immediately. I was made righteous. I was made righteous. I was made completely whole. In the eyes of the Lord, I am exactly who he called me to be, which is a child of his. I am a son of God. In the moment that I became a follower of Christ, when my belief system shifted, I was made righteous. All right? I'm going to go a little further. In that moment, I was also fully accepted. Sin issues and all. Come on, somebody. Toe up from the flow up, make you want to throw up. And Jesus said, come on, because I want to help you grow up. Bars, I got bars. In that moment, when I came to a relationship with the Lord, I was made completely righteous. I was fully accepted. And today, to this moment, after everything that I've gone through, everything I've done, I am still loved unconditionally by the Lord. Amen. And I am still fully righteous. I am still fully accepted into the household of faith and into God's family. Amen. Are you understanding this? That is the truth of the matter. This is, if we don't start there, if we don't recognize that we are 100% accepted into the family of God, loved unconditionally, God is not keeping a record of your wrongdoings. He does not. The Bible says that he forgets your sins. They are far from him as east is from the west. They will never show up on his doorstep again. Man, that's something to rejoice about. I don't know about y'all. I would rejoice in that moment because I know some of the stuff I don't need. 
And I'm like, Jesus, please don't ever let them show up. Oh, help mercy, Jesus. But the Bible says that he forgets. Somebody say forgets. He says, uh, uh, actually, no, I, I, let, let, me, let me correct that. It says he remembers our sin no more. Somebody say remember. Which means he makes an active choice to put your sin out of his mind. Oh, that is so good. Come on, somebody. So the Lord, if we don't start from a place of knowing that we are righteous, we are accepted, we are fully loved by the Lord, then we will not get the second part right. If we don't start from grace, we won't be able to extend grace. It's quiet when you're standing on toes. I get it. I get it. It's all right. So when we don't understand grace, and when we don't start from grace, and when we don't live our life understanding the grace that we receive, the mercy that has been given to us, the, the favor that's been placed on us, if we don't start from that place, we won't be able to give that. So what happens if we can't start that, we can't give that, so then our horizontal relationships are all chaotic. Amen. Well, y'all strap y'all in. Y'all ready for this? Cause it's gonna get. She said, "No, it's gonna get. It's gonna get real tight." My mama say it's tight, but it's right. If we are not going to honor God with our life out of a place of knowing that we're fully accepted by the Lord. Listen, I, I want you to hear me today. You, I don't know who this is for, but if you are struggling with knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what God has for your life, first of all, you need to start at the place that you are fully accepted by him. You hear me? And I want you to know, no matter what you've done, if you're watching online, if you're in this room, no matter what you're done, there is pl a place and there is room for you at the table of God. There is, listen, there is a seat at you, uh, for you in God's house. There is a place for you in God's family. You, as the Bible says, are able to come and dine in fellowship with the Lord. Amen. Because of the work of the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he died for us, because of that, the Bible says that now as believers, we are no longer, as, as the preacher said that I heard this week, we're no longer dirty and distant, but the cross makes us clean and close. The cross, the bloody cross is what made us clean. The Bible says that his blood shed on the cross washed us as white as snow. That is what faith is. That is what the Bible teaches. That's the grace. That's the gospel. We have to start there. Amen. So I was reading this book. It's, uh, it's a book. It's called uh, Guilt-Free Living. It's a great book to check out. Um, uh, it's a very challenging book. Um, <laughs> there was some stuff I was saying, like, oh, Jesus. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and chew on that one because uh, I don't know about that one. Very challenging book in a lot of ways, but he talks a lot about grace. But he says this. He says, as far as your sins are concerned with God, 
the Bible says that God is fully satisfied. He has no desire to punish you for your sins. Okay, hear me, hear me. You, in the eyes of God, have been made perfect through Jesus Christ. All right? So he has no desire to punish you for your sin, but the Bible says, but he says this, he said, so sin doesn't ruin your relationship with God, it ruins your horizontal relationships. Ooh. And when I read that, I had to take a couple steps back, kneel down like I was Tim Tebow, and you know, I was like, bless me, Jesus. Wait a minute. He said, see, the problem is, we go and confess to God our sin issues, and we don't apologize to the people that it affected. We go, and we go, God, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, and we do all this stuff with God, but then we never confess or apologize to those that it affected around us. So we live a life constantly trying to get forgiveness from God, never acknowledging that sin with the Lord has already been fully satisfied on the cross. His punishment requirements, all of that has been fully satisfied, placed on Jesus Christ. But you, my friend, and myself, our consequences of our sin affect those around us. And we have to become the kind of people that can acknowledge when we've done wrong, and apologize. Amen. Now, if you're a man in the room, you know how hard it is to apologize. Don't y'all let me sit up here by myself. They all looking at me like, nah, I ain't got that problem yet, right? You gonna apologize to me afterwards? Probably not, because you're a man. Amen. All ladies, you can say amen. Y'all go ahead. <laughs> Look. Some of them lie, I'm not going to say it, but I got you. So as we get into these scriptures today, we're looking at James. James is, is, is dealing with an issue that's going on in the church. And he's saying to them, uh, there's something going on where it's almost like you have a, a prejudice. You have all these preferences. I mean, I can't imagine a church with no prefaces. You know, I can't imagine a church where people, I mean, how dare I go to church and I want them to do the stuff that I like. Amen? And I want them to accept the people that I like and, and, and show them the people that I don't want there. But he, James is saying uh, he's dealing with a church and there's, a, there's an issue going on because what, what's happening is the, the, these, these wealthy people are coming to church and so now what they're doing is they're, they're making uh, uh, the wealthy people comfortable, right? While pushing the poor man off to the side. They, he says, you, you, you show partiality when you tell this, this, this man come in with fine clothes on and, and gold and all this stuff. And he says, you go sit in a good place. Somebody say good place. But then you tell the poor man to go stand over here or sit at my feet. And he's saying, uh, 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 you are messed up. 
Your views are messed up. You have chosen the wrong thing. When you place preferences in relationships like that, when you begin to tell people and separate people by how they look on the outside, somebody say outside, it's problematic. And I don't know about y'all, but you know, maybe you've been asleep for the last two years, three years, but what he, we have seen in the church more and more, in our nation in general, but especially in our church, you know, I, I expect stuff like this to happen in the world with unbelievers because guess what? They're unbelievers. I don't, if an unbeliever shows me an immoral thing, I'm not going, oh my God, you're an unbeliever. You know, I'm not surprised. That, that's ha- that happens. Come on, somebody. If a person comes to me and they hate me because of my skin color and they don't follow Christ, I'm not surprised. I don't even get mad at it because that's what sin nature is. That's what it does. But when you claim to follow Jesus Christ and you tell me you love the Lord and you place all these fishes on your Facebook profile and you do all these things, but then you got a problem with me because I'm black, guess what? I then begin to back up and say, hold on, wait a minute. I don't know if you really know Christ. I don't know if you really are following him like you say you are. I don't know if you, 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 you are you catching what I'm saying? Because when we start to place preferences on the people who we can love, who we can't love, when the Bible is very clear that Christ loves all men. That's where I begin to fall off with people. And this is the problem for me. The problem for me is that we in the church have made this a practice among our churches. And it's become normal language for us. We say, oh, do you go to a black church? Or do you go to a white church? Or do you go to an Asian church or a Hispanic church? We start labeling a move of God by these different things. Oh, y'all ain't going to preach with me today. I'm going to preach by myself, but that's fine. And when we begin to set all of these divid, dividing factors, well, I don't go to that church because they too charismatic. I don't do this. I don't do that. And, and God is sitting in heaven like, no, none of that makes any sense. I thought you were a follower of me. I thought I could move in your life. See, and you know, I was thinking about something last night as I was prepping, uh, uh, you know, just Actually, I couldn't sleep, so I was just thinking about it. I started looking up words and all that stuff. But I had this thought. Uh, one time that I was asked a question, what, how do you, what do you believe? They said, are you Armenian or Calvinist? This is what the question, right? This was actually on a church staff. Somebody walked into my office and asked one of the other church staff members. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just want to know, are you Armenian or are you Calvinist? You know, like, I say, well, I think I just follow Christ. And he said, well, well, that's not a good enough answer. And I looked at him, I said, here's my problem. When you start to put labels on it, you limit how God can move in your life. When you start to say, well, I believe this way, well, I, I, you know, this, and, 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 and I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a whatever you want to say, whatever, however you want to. But the moment you place that limit, that's where you say, God, here's the line of where you can work in my life. Amen? Oh, can, can we push this a little bit? Can we push this a little bit? Well, I don't believe in them people that be speaking in tongues. Here's the limit. Well, I don't know if God can heal people. 
Here's the limit. I mean, the scripture is full of evidence of how God heals people. But in today's society, that's just emotional stuff. I don't know if God can raise people from the dead. A limit. I mean, you may not have worked and walked in that faith and attained that level of faith yet or, 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 or been involved in that. But let me, can I, give you, can I give you a secret? Or can I tell you something? I ain't even a secret. I have seen people raised from the dead. I grew up in a church where that happened on a regular. I grew up in a church, and this is the kind of church I grew up in, where the woman, a woman had a stillborn. She, he was in her womb dead for two weeks, and she decided to go to the church and let the elders pray for her. Why? Because she believed God was going to heal her baby. And while they were praying for her, in the middle of a conference, in the middle of a general assembly, that baby started to kick and move, and she took off running around the, neighbor, the, the, the room, and we had church for like 12 hours. You can't tell me God can't do what he wants to do because when you start saying, I don't believe this and I don't believe this and I don't know if I believe like that, you start to limit what God can do. And it's ain't it funny how we place limits on God until we need him to work in that area? You know, I don't know about it, but, but Lord, I need you to heal. No, no, no. He, you can believe for him to heal you at all times. You can believe in him to take care of you at all times. And we struggle with this. Amen? I don't know why I'm going there. But, but we start placing preferences on things. That's where I was at. We start putting labels on things. We put preferences. I go to a black church. I go to this church. I go to that kind of church. And this church is progressive. And this church is more conservative. And it, and it gets all confusing. And then we wonder why people don't want to come here. Come to my church. What kind of church you go to? Well, you know, it's a Baptocostal, Pentecostal, black, white. I love what prevail. You, can't, you, you ain't got no answers. You'll just be sitting there all day. What kind of church you go to? Well, you know. Uh, it's, it's prevail. <laughs> So we got to deal with the sin of partiality. I said this way, we got to deal with the sin of preferences and labels. Because if we're going to grow in relationship with others, we got to take labels off them. Now strap in, y'all ready? Tell, you know, we got to stop with that. This is my black friend. This is my white friend. This is my gay friend. Why can't they just be your friend? And sometimes we do that stuff to try to make ourselves look good. Oh, look at me. Look, I got these diverse group. Of, no, just be you. Be a follower of Christ. Jesus didn't never go, oh, you know, here's Matthew. He's crazy. You know, this is my crazy friend. He didn't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Are you, are you catching me? We got to stop placing labels on this stuff. And how do we do this? Grace. <coughs> we do it through grace. We do it through recognizing that we've been forgiven much. So we forgive much. We do it through recognizing that God has granted us much mercy. 
So we give much mercy. Come on. We do it from, reckon, from a place of, I'm not better than you. I'm different. I may be further down the, round, uh, down the line in some areas in my faith than you are, but it doesn't make me better than you. We don't do it from a place of, I, you know, I got it all together, you just gone to me and you know, we'll figure this thing out. Amen? Jesus, as he re- alluded to in, in, in uh, communion today, Jesus still washed the feet of Judas. Can you wash your enemy's feet? I don't know if I can wash anybody's feet. Let alone somebody I know about to betray me. Come on, somebody. I get down there with a rag and I come up with your foot because I had to cut it off. Hallelujah. You ain't going nowhere. Sit here and take this. <laughs> Anyways, so we do it through grace. The first thing I want to I point out is that without grace, <clears throat> partiality skews our views. Amen? Without grace. If you don't rightly see yourself through the lens of grace, you won't rightly see people around you through the lens of grace. The first scripture we read, he said, <clears throat> in, in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, from, so from now on, we don't evaluate people by their outward appearance, right? Another translation says it like this. From this point on, we no longer regard any man but after the flesh. Are you catching that? So from this point forward, I don't regard people after the flesh. I regard them after the spirit. I can't look at your outward appearance and say, well, you love God. Catching that? No, from now on, I regard you after the spirit, what God has called you, what he has placed on you, what he's doing in your life. I can't see, <clears throat> here's what I love about the Lord. He don't let me see your heart. I'm not, now, I could take a guess at what's going on in your heart by the issues of your life. Uh-huh, because out of the heart, out of, you know, issues produced out of your heart. I can look at the issues of your life, oh, you're struggling your heart a little bit, but I really don't know where you are by your outward appearance. So, without grace, partiality skews our views. He said, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, and while you say to the poor man, you stand up here or sit down, he goes on to say, uh, <clears throat> uh, you, have you not made the distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? I mean, it's some strong language here. The moment we start to prefer certain people over certain people by the way they look, by their outward appearance, by how well they present themselves. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, now you've made distinctions among yourself. And I love what he says, have you not made distinctions among yourselves? Not, not have they made, a, have you not watched them make distinctions among whatever? No, he says, have you, everybody, I want to include, have you guys not made distinctions among yourselves? 
What is he saying? None of you are exempt from this. All of you are involved in this very, very problematic thing going on here. And here's the reality. This is what we have to recognize. And I want you to hear me. And I'm about to I'm be wrapping this thing up soon. But here's what we have to recognize. If we're going to treat people with disdain, and if we're going to build churches, and we're going to build uh, ministries that exclude people, guess what? We're all part of the problem. Hello. If we're going to support rhetoric, that does not look like Jesus, we're part of the problem. Oh, nobody wants to. I'm gonna look at you, Charles. Is you, <laughs> Charles? If we're gonna do that kind of stuff, if we're gonna oh champion this and champion that, and it's not looking like Jesus, guess what? I'm gonna tell you something. Left or right, y'all catch what I'm saying? If it ain't part of what Jesus wants, it ain't right. You know the greatest time to, to work on relationships is right before an election, amen, hallelujah. Because if you can stand through an election, we still friends after the election. We good, man. Amen. I'm telling y'all, some of y'all gonna be like, let's go get wings. We ain't even got to talk. Just come and sit and eat. You know what I mean? Until Cain's come, amen. Then it'd be me and Michelle and y'all can all go other places. Without grace, partiality skews our views. If you can't rightly see yourself through the lens of the way God sees you, you won't rightly see other people. If you view yourself as dirty and distant, you will treat people dirty and distant. You know why? You know why someone like, like James is dealing with this issue? You know why they can put preferences like that in place? Because most of them probably don't view themselves as a rich man. They don't view themselves on that level. So what they do, when we don't view ourselves right, we distinct other people. Amen. So somebody walk in the room, oh, look at his appearance, okay. Uh, yeah, he, he sit over there. Oh, no, you, you ain't quite on my level, so you sit over here. See the problem? The middle ground here is a skewed up view of yourself. Not seeing yourself like God sees you. Not seeing yourself forgiven whole and not broken. The Lord sees you that way. And when you don't see yourself that way, you begin to divide other people by their preferences. It's quiet in the house of the Lord. And I love it. Without grace... Partiality will cause you to dishonor what God has chosen. Hey, if you don't rightly see yourself in the eyes of God, through the lens of what, the way the Father sees you, you will dishonor people that God have anointed. You will dishonor relationships that the Lord sent to grow you up. 
You will dishonor people that God places favor on because the way they look on the outside. This is what partiality does. This is the sin, right? The sin of preference. Ah, you you, know, you got to be a certain way. You got to act a certain way. You got to be. And please don't do that sin because if you do that sin, oh my word. I ain't never come to church there no more. And then God's like, no, 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 no. I view them as whole. I view them through my unconditional love, just like I view you through my unconditional love. Listen, here's where I'm, I, I, you know, the biggest part of my message today is if you don't view yourself correctly, you, treat, you mistreat everybody else. It's that simple. Most of the hurt caused by the church is because hurt leaders hurt people. And guess what? Hurt congregation people hurt other congregation people. <laughs> Come on. Hurt people hurt people. Come on, right? Like, it's just natural. If I don't like myself, I'm not going to make you feel good about yourself. Oh, it's so quiet. And then we get mad at people, we call them arrogant. Nah, yeah. and, and then some people walk in, you know, there is a difference between arrogance and confidence, okay? So we just, let me go ahead and throw that out there. If you arrogant, you, we all know you arrogant. You know you arrogant. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just, I don't to admit that, right? But if you're confident, sometimes people can't decipher confidence from arrogance. So then you walk in, you confident, and they're like, oh, you think you better than us. You doing this, they ain't nothing. One time I had a cousin tell me, oh, you just think you bad. I said, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm not who I used to be, so I am better. Now, not better than you, but I'm better than me, who I used to be. Amen. Because of who I was used to be, I would punch you. Mm. <laughs> Without grace, Partiality will cause you to dishonor what God has chosen. He said, listen, my brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them who love those who love him? But if you have dishonored the poor man, are, but you have dishonored the poor man, but you have dishonored the poor man. And then he goes on to say, are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you in the court? I mean, this is, this is, listen, messed up views about yourself will have you fallen in love and, and, and making your oppressor comfortable. It's dysfunction. Are you hearing me? Last thing is this, without grace, partiality will cause you to miss the opportunity to extend grace to others. You'll miss this opportunity. He says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for it all. If I am going to mistreat people based on their outward appearance, well, they hurt me, Fred. They did this. They did. Hey, listen, that's all different kinds of conversations that happen. 
but the Bible is very clear that we're to show love and we are to, 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 to believe the best about people and all these things as much as we can, right? Even if they get on your nerve. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever get on your nerve? You got a lion spirit. Come on, you don't raise your hand, they all like Somebody got on your nerves this morning. Amen. Probably getting on your nerves right now. I'm probably getting on your nerves. I don't care. But here's what, I'm, what I want you to understand. If we are going to be acting like that, if we're going to draw all these prefaces and, 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 and make all these labels and these boundaries that, uh, you know, I can have, you know, you got to be like this and this and this and this for me to actually be your friend and blah, blah, blah. You know, you know what I realized? We draw boundaries based on the hurts that we've got. So then everybody else, who, somebody who God may have sent to your life has to work through all these different things that you've set up as protective mechanisms. And, they, and, and sometimes you never actually get, come on somebody. And God's looking like, hey, I sent them to be a blessing to you. Right? And you got them fighting. Wow, man, I'm, I'm trying to get it. And then finally get back there like, hey, you like, man, I've been waiting, I've been waiting on you all my life. I'm like, well, I've been fighting. <laughs> Can we get some food? Because Lord Jesus. But we set those up so we don't get hurt again. But in those moments of setting those up to guard ourselves, we actually begin to hurt other people. We don't get to extend grace where people need it. And we miss an opportunity. And the Bible says if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Somebody say sin. And you are convicted by the law as transgressors. I love what he said there. And he said, for whoever keeps the whole law, meaning if you're not going to live and operate through grace, guess what? You got to become accountable for it all. So we need grace to function better in relationships. We need grace to love people and not show partiality and preferences and all these different things. We need grace to accept people even though they are on the outside of the scope of what we think is right. Amen? Amen. We need grace to love people that don't have the same morals as us. We need grace to love people that don't have the same conviction as us. Well, they drink, so they go to hell. Sit down somewhere. Show me that in scripture. You need to drink. No, <laughs> Don't put that out on the internet, okay? <laughs> Pastor tells the church they need to drink, yes. Communion wine. You get what I'm saying? Like, so, and, and, but, but, we, but we put all these bounds and these limits on people because they believe outside the scope of us or they act or function outside of what we think is what's comfortable for us. Right? And then we're like, oh God, oh God, I just need you to show up and, and save them and tell, show them they're wrong. And God's like, no, you didn't deal with yourself. Some of us need to stop worrying about other people's relationship with the Lord and worry about our own relationship. 
We need to stop praying for other people to get saved and we need to get saved. Because you ain't praying from a place of compassion. You're praying from a place of judgment. God, you show up and do something in their lives. Not because you want them to really experience grace and mercy. Because you want them to experience a, a little bit of hurt and pain and punishment for their decisions. Oh, it's quiet, but I know it's true. I was praying for you last night. What's going on with you? Uh, you know, I'm still doing my thing. Uh, I got to pray for you more. You get what I'm saying? And it's not from a place of compassion. And God's looking like, no, no, no. I'm going to save them. I'm gonna, I got them. You know who brings correction? The Holy Spirit. You know who brings judgment? The Lord. You know what he asks us to do? Serve him. Amen? You know what he asks us to do? Love your neighbor like you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, guess what? You're struggling. Hey, if you don't love your neighbors, you tell me how much you love yourself. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just rambling now. I want to close with this. Mercy is found in the scripture 276 times in 261 verses. And 99 of those verses are found in Psalms. Isn't it interesting that Psalms, written by David, 99 times mentions mercy. David, who was a great man, who messed up real bad. Bishop Tony Miller said David was a peeping Tom. Amen. Y'all know, right? The Bible says he was extended a lot of mercy. 99 times it's mentioned in Psalms. And guess what? Jesus comes along and guess what the Bible says about him? It says that he came through the lineage of David, your father, David. Which is a beautiful picture that God in your messed up state doesn't want to separate himself from you. He has no desire to, you know, I don't want to be associated with them. No, actually he came through the lineage of David. 99 times it talks about mercy in Psalms. 99 times David needed to be reminded that God has mercy for him. 1 Peter 1, 17 through 19 says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What is he saying here? He says, they, they were in exile. He says, you got to conduct yourselves in a way that you realize and remember that you were ransomed. 
you were ransomed. Somebody say ransomed. From the futile ways of your forefathers. I have disconnected you from the sins of your fathers. And, and, and he says this. He says, remember you were ransomed not by your works, not by things that perish, not silver or gold. Nobody paid me off or any of that, but you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sing that song, but we don't really think about those lyrics. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not my works. Amen? Amen. Not, not, not how many times I, 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 you know, I say thank you, Jesus, during the day. Not, not, not any of that. Not how many times I avoid you know, cussing people out in traffic. Y'all blow in the dark, y'all don't do that. Not how many times I, I want to go off somebody who's getting on my nerves. Not how, many times, uh, I, I, not how many times I avoid doing all these bad things, this list of things that we know I, I should not do that. None of that makes you whole again. None of that washes you clean. What is it? It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And guess what? If we're going to get relationships right, if we're going to function and grow in relationship with others, guess what we need? The blood of Jesus. We need the grace and the mercy found in Jesus to teach us and to give us patience and, 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 and love. And you know what? We can't love people unconditionally if we don't know that we're loved unconditionally. And it's hard to do that if you don't acknowledge first that God I need you. Because if I don't have you, I ain't going to be able to do this. Amen? If you've been married longer than two years, <laughs> you know it takes grace and mercy and love unconditionally. For yourself and for your spouse. Amen. If you've been married longer than 10 years, you know it takes a whole nother level. Somebody said a whole nother level of grace and mercy. All the men are like, nah. All the women are like, yes. Come on, somebody. Because people change every day. You know what I love about God? Is that people change, but he stays the same. And guess what he says to us? Be like me. Because people change around don't mean you've got to change how you feel about them. Amen? I know it's quiet in the house of the Lord. But I want you to think for a minute. Close your eyes. Bow your head. What is it? Or who is it in your life that you need to show redeeming love towards? Who is it in your life? What friend or family member that has disappointed you, let you down, said whatever they said about you, you know, all the things. 
Who is it in your life that you need to operate in the ministry of reconciliation to God towards? Because he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. If people are going to find God, they're going to find it through relationship with us. With us. People don't just discover God on their own. They discover it by watching us. They ask questions by looking at your life, my life. And if we mistreat them, we can't expect them to trust a God that could potentially mistreat them too. Nothing bothers me more than when I go out to eat with a preacher and he's mean to the waitress. I literally want to like punch him in the jaw. I'm not kidding y'all. Like it bothers me because I think to myself, how dare you think you're better than this person? Them usually be the most expensive dinners because I do you want to go, that's not how God views you. I know you're having a hard day, but God is patient. He's kind. And even when you're having a rough day, he still blesses you. Let me be a representation of that. Amen? That's how we need to treat people. That's how we need to operate in relationships. Thank you, Lord. Everyone in this room, that we be the kind of people that can grow with others in grace. That we experience your love, your mercy, and your kindness. God, I think we, thank you that we would shift our views about ourselves in light of what you say about us so that we can grow in that mercy and that grace. I thank you for all that you're doing in, in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.